so good morning or afternoon or evening. Uh, my name is Beck Barnes, publisher and editor of Cotton Grower Magazine, and I want to welcome y'all again back to this, the world-famous Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, whether you are joining us from Altus, Oklahoma, or Albany, Georgia, or from any other dot on the vast Cotton Belt map, I want to thank y'all for joining us uh, sincerely. I'm joined today, as always, by my guy, my partner in crime, CG's Cotton Grower Senior Editor, Mr. Jim Stebman. Howdy, Jim. Hello, Beck. How are you? I'm just. I'm, I'm also waiting to see how much feedback you're going to get on pronouncing Albany, Albany as Albany. You know, so. I, I went. I told my story about Al, Albany. I was corrected once in a gas station in South Georgia. <laughs> of course, you were for for pronouncing. <laughs> Albany as Albany, Georgia, and the lady behind the counter, I swear to y'all, told me that you're supposed to pronounce it Albany. And so I told that story to some Georgia guys out at this event I was at in Phoenix last month, a Delta Pine event, and uh, they laughed and said, no, no, it's not Albany at all. So now I'm more confused than I've ever been. So I should probably have avoided that, that particular <laughs> town as I did my silly little town intro. But that's that okay. That's okay. Yeah. So... Anyhow, uh, no, nobody expects perfection out of us. Certainly not out of me. So uh, as, as we get started here, we want to take a brief moment to hear from our sponsors, the fine folks at Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. All right, so uh, we, want, we hope that uh, you guys are doing okay as we are hitting the Game of Thrones north of the wall days of winter right now. There's white walkers out there. There's tons of snow uh, across the country, including in parts of the Cotton Belt. And so uh, it's certainly that time of year where we hoped you're kicked up by the fire in the evening. Uh, you keep a nice hot uh, coffee with you uh, throughout the morning and the day. So um, uh, we, or rather I should say Jim, is fresh back from the Beltwide Cotton Conferences, where a lot of news was made this week. Uh, a lot of the companies were kind of making waves and using that occasion to make announcements. So um, I was happy that our man Jim was down there. Uh, it's always nice to get down there, I know, to see all of the familiar faces and all of our friends from across the industry, and I know Jim enjoyed that. I also suspect that he ate a lot of very good New Orleans cuisine, which I did not mm. eat, and so I'm uh, rather jealous of him at the moment. But um, I'm nodding, but I'm not going into details. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I hope that all y'all had a good time. Those of you who are fresh back from New Orleans and the Beltwide Cotton Conferences this year, we will be talking about that uh, as we get into the podcast here. One note that I want to mention about uh, the Beltwide Cotton Conferences: there may be some of you who were there who were wondering about our achievement award. Over the years, we have traditionally handed our achievement award out there at the Cotton uh, Beltwide Cotton Conferences. We did not this year. We have a little bit of a new program. We have a new sponsor, uh, the fine folks at Americot. Uh, Next Gen Cotton Seed from Americot is the uh, sponsor. That's, they've uh, done a great job with supporting our program this year, and we're happy for them. Uh, we did not do the luncheon there this year because uh, our winner is from uh, the Mid-South, and so we are changing up our program. We're going to start doing, we're going to start handing the physical event or rather, excuse me, the physical trophy out to our honorees uh, at a location based on where the grower is from through the years. And so this year's winner is a great guy, Mr. Bowen Flowers out of Clarksdale, Mississippi. And so accordingly, we are going to hand him his trophy 
at the uh, uh, Mid-South Farm and Gin Shows here in a little over a month, uh, those very first couple of days of March. So stick with us there. You'll see the story on Mr. Flowers in the January issue of Cotton Grower. He's a very deserving uh, Cotton Achievement Award honoree. And so um, look for us at, at Beltwide Cotton Conferences if you're planning on coming to that thing. And don't be mad at us if you didn't get your, if you were planning on having lunch with us in New Orleans. We apologize. We hope we're able to uh, feed you at some other event down the road sometime. So we got a great episode in store for y'all today. We are going to be uh, reviewing all of the ag news of the past week. Uh, as always, before we dive into our market moment, that's where Jim has wrangled in an interview from our friend, the very smart Mr. Gerald Nieper, who Jim caught up with at uh, in New Orleans at <coughs> Beltwide. Uh, Jim, can you kind of tell me what y'all talked about? Well, there was a lot of discussion at Beltwide, obviously, about cotton economics and, and where the market is headed right now. Uh, and particularly in face of the uh, of the government shutdown, which has impacted uh, USDA's ability to provide a lot of uh, of reports and other marketing information that the uh, the industry tends to rely on, huh. uh, particularly for cotton movement and pricing and things like that. So uh, so Gerald and I sat down and talked a little bit about uh, the overall world economy and and the fact that that really the market for cotton has been slowing down gradually over the past year and, and really kind of the whole impact of that and then a little discussion on the uh, on the, the availability of market information. So uh, uh, it's about six minutes worth of, uh, of good information from, from Gerald, who's, uh, who's a pretty well-known cotton marketing expert uh, in, the, in the country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I was glad to see you tracked him down. So, so after that interview, we are <clears throat> going to uh, spend our One Big Thing segment, our last kind of feature segment of each episode, we call the One Big Thing segment. And today we're going to be discussing our acreage survey, which dropped this week as the January issue is hitting mailboxes. That is sort of uh, uh, how we're getting our announcing our acreage survey results this year. Um, and it, it's already been mentioned by several of the market analysts and uh, price watchers, cotton price market watchers. Uh, in the, I know Dr. O.A. Cleveland mentioned it, our survey in his uh uh, analysis that he put out this week. So uh, we're going to review what we learned, how we learned it, and sort of what y'all told us about the forces that are shaping your planting thoughts. They're not planting decisions at this point. It's still early, but uh, we know that y'all are always thinking about what you might do uh, come planting time next year. So we'll explore that further later in the episode. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. So let's go ahead and dive right in with Jim and his news items. Boy, he's got a few of them coming out of New Orleans. So we're going to we're going to keep them efficient as we can. Okay. And I'm going to, I'll keep things as, as, as efficient and quickly as I can too. But uh, there's some items that we definitely need to, uh, to note. Uh, the first one is obviously due to the government shutdown. Uh, USDA announced last week that uh, they are extending the application deadline for the market facilitation program uh, for those you know for the payments that are provided as part of the agency's trade mitigation program. Uh, the original deadline uh, was January 15th, which would be right upon us. But due to the closure of USDA Farm Service Agency's offices at the end of business on December 28th, uh, any farmer who's wanting to apply, certainly has been unable to do so. So according to uh, Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue, the application deadline will now be extended for the same period of time equal to the number of days the FSA offices are closed once the government shutdown ends. So um, 
keep, uh, keep an eye out on that. Obviously, farmers who have already applied for the program and certified their 2018 production uh, have continued to receive payments as part of the, uh, as part of the uh, trade mitigation program. Um, next item, back in November, uh, we started getting information from, from seed companies on new varieties for 2019, and at that time, BASF came to us with uh, talking about five new FiberMax and Stoneville varieties. Uh, now, based on some additional results from the company's agronomic performance trial program, uh, they have added five additional FiberMax and Stoneville varieties for 2019, including, as, as we, has been rumored, uh, two varieties that contain dicamba-tolerant traits. Uh, I'm going to run through these really, really quickly. Uh, there are uh, Stoneville 5600 B2XF uh, fits really across a large part of the cotton belt and uh, based on a grower's conditions and soil type, but that's the first of the dicamba uh, tolerant products or varieties. The second one is ST5707 B2XF, which basically is a mid to full season variety for West Texas in eastern New Mexico dry land and limited irrigation acres. Uh, a third Stoneville variety, 4550 GLTP, an early mid-maturing variety targeted to the Mid-South, the Mid-Atlantic, and the Southeast. Uh, that variety includes the Twin Link Plus technology, their, uh, their three-gene trait for worm control. And then over on the FiberMax side, uh, you've got FiberMax 2398 GLTP, <laughs> Uh, a medium maturity, semi-smooth variety with good disease package in Twin Link Plus uh, that's targeted for the High Plains, Rolling Plains, Oklahoma, and South and East Texas. And finally, FiberMax 1621GL, an early maturity variety for High Plains acres that need uh, root knot nematode tolerance and resistance to bacterial plight, but really don't have, uh, have many issues with, uh, with worm pressure. So as always, more information about these varieties and the entire uh, lineup for FiberMax and Stoneville is available from your BASF rep uh, and on the websites for FiberMax and for Stoneville. Yeah, big big news there. Obviously, <clears throat> well, it's it's news, big news. All of their variety announcements, but uh, certainly the first FiberMax or Stoneville varieties with the B2XF with that Extend technology. Uh, are gonna gonna make waves this year, so we will we will be watching that closely. And I and I want to specify here that they will be available in 2019. Jim, uh, for a brief moment while you were talking there, I accidentally hit our volume button as you were saying the word 2019. So I just want to clarify, <laughs> yes, that they they will be out and available commercially in 2019. So um, and I will not fiddle with the volume. <laughs> keep your fingers off the buttons, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. <laughs> this is what happens when you put two amateurs in charge of, yeah. of you know, yeah. of recording well, something. One significantly me, more <laughs> amateur than the other. Okay. Next item. Um, our friends at AmeriCot uh, have announced a program to, uh, to offer cotton growers cash rebates on selected crop protection products when, it's per when they are purchased in conjunction uh, with some of their next-gen ExtendFlex varieties. Uh, this AmeriCot Advanced Protection Program, as they call it, allows qualifying growers to earn a rebate up to $4 per acre or more by bundling seed purchase with essential herbicides, insecticides, and AmeriCot's uh, enhanced seed treatment. It has the name, looks like it's, it's Cotalist, but I just want to make sure that uh, 
Uh, I want I don't want to butcher that as uh, in any shape, form, or fashion. Uh, this this advanced protection program is now in effect. Uh, it will apply to any qualifying purchases made until August 31st of this year. The offer is open to growers in all cotton producing states in the U.S. where the next gen brand of cotton seed is sold. Again. There are a lot of details about eligibility requirements and specific product options for the programs. Growers should contact, interested growers should contact their participating next-gen seed dealer or next-gen representative or check online at uh, americot.com slash programs. Uh, you should find all the details there. Yeah, very cool, very cool program for, out of Americot there. They're doing a lot of a lot of neat stuff out there, out of their Lubbock home base. Of course, they got varieties for across the belt, but uh, but they're uh, getting their fingers into a lot of cool stuff this year. Absolutely. Uh, our next item comes from uh, from Phytogen. Uh, Phytogen is partnering with Cotton Incorporated's Blue Jeans Go Green Denim Recycling Program to organize denim collection drives in some targeted cotton-producing communities. Uh, basically, the, the Blue Jeans Go Green Program works by recycling worn-out denim into housing insulation uh, to help keep textile waste out of landfills and help with building efforts like Habitat for Humanity in communities uh, around the country. It's a really great program. Uh, many well-known retail brands have joined this program since it began in 2006. Phytogen becomes the first cotton seed program to partner with Cotton Incorporated on this. So with the support of the National FFA Foundation and local FFA chapters, Phytogen is coordinating denim collection drives across the cotton belt uh, in 2019. In addition to collecting uh, denim at local grower, cotton grower meetings, uh, Phytogen denim drop-off locations will also be found at the World Ag Expo uh, February 12th through the 14th in Tulare, California, at the Mid-South Farm and Gin Show March 1st and 2nd in Memphis, at the Texas Cotton Jenners Association Trade Show, April 4th and 5th in Lubbock, and at the Sunbelt Field Day, which is set for July 25th in Moultrie, Georgia. So, uh, you know, good for Phytogen on joining in on this, uh, on this exciting program that uh, has benefited not only uh, the cotton industry, but, uh, but also the folks with, uh, with Habitat and other building programs uh, across the country. Absolutely. Very cool of uh, Cotton Inc. And, and very cool of Phytogen to jump in there as well. Absolutely. And finally, uh, congratulations to Dr. Tyson Raper, uh, who's the Extension Cotton Specialist for the University of Tennessee and a good friend of Cotton Grower. Uh, who was, Absolutely. Who was named the 2019 Beltwide Cotton Specialist of the Year uh, this past week. Uh, the award, which is based on a vote of the country's cotton specialists, was presented during the uh, Beltwide Cotton Conferences, a special dinner during the conferences uh, earlier this month in New Orleans. So uh, well-deserved honor for, for Tyson. 100% well-deserved. Y'all, this is a little uh, inside baseball, but if there is ever a time where I am absolutely up against the wall scrambling for a quote, I know for a fact that Tyson Raper will get back to an email or a phone call. with uh, You probably have the same absolutely. experience with him. He, he is just great about uh, always... Uh, lending us his time and expertise whenever we need something for him, which of course doesn't mm -hmm. win you the Extension Cotton Specialist of the Year Award, but it does make you a nice guy. So we're happy for him. Absolutely. 
Is that is that That's our last it. item? Okay, it's our right. last news was, item. I'm I was, done. I was waiting for you to jump in with another yeah. there. Okay. Well, thank you, Jim, <laughs> uh, as always, for having your finger on the pulse of what's going at, uh, on down uh, out there in the cotton belt. So, uh, for now, we want to pause and bring y'all a message from our sponsors, Phytogen. Our custom content editor, Robin Sickberg, had the chance recently to sit down with um, uh, a Phytogen cotton development specialist, Dr. Robert Lemon. Uh, who we know and like a lot. So uh, we're happy to hear from Dr. Lemon and from Robin right now. Good afternoon. I'm Robin Sitberg of Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. I am back on this episode with Dr. Robert Lemon, Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist. So welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks, Robin. Glad to be here. I know when we spoke last time, we talked about the yield and quality of the different uh, Phytogen W3FE varieties. And I'm wondering if this time we can talk about how growers can protect that yield and quality. Yeah, Robin, I, I, great. That's that's a great question. Uh, one of the things that that we that we really focus on uh, in our phytogen breeding program is is what we call phytogen breeding traits. So we've built in uh, some traits that provide resistance and tolerance, if you will, to to a lot of disease problems uh, and, and nematode problems that that our growers face. So, so primarily, one of the things that we're really proud of is is all of the all of the enlist varieties. Robin are bacterial blight resistant, which is a nasty bacterial disease of cotton. And then, and then we've also followed that up with nematode tolerance. And and right now in our varieties, we have several that are root not nematode resistant, uh, which is uh, a huge plus when you think about how important that nematode complex is across the cotton belt, uh, not only in Texas, but obviously the Mid-South and the Southeast as well. And we're, and we're getting close to following up that root knot nematode resistance, Robin, with also reniform nematode resistance. So great things going on at Phytogen from a, from a breeding trait perspective is along the lines of, of nematodes. In addition to that, we, we are working diligently on, on providing tolerance to Fusarium race 4, uh, which is a, a nasty, virulent strain of fusarium that hopefully no one ever sees, but we do know we have that in the western part of the cotton belt. So a lot of exciting breeding going on at Phytogen, not just yield and quality, but the kind of traits that we feel our customers need to protect that yield and quality. And I'm sure there's a number of examples that you could probably cite uh, where growers have been able to successfully use these varieties where they were having problems with some of these diseases um, previously. Are, are there any anecdotal examples you can give us? Yeah, Robin, the, the, the root knot nematode tolerance that we built into several of our varieties really, really does show the benefit of that uh, in, in compared to, to varieties that do not have that trait and or using something like telone, which is a, a Corteva fumigant. So when we look at, at, this, at this root knot nematode trait, compared to varieties that don't possess it, the, the yield advantage that we're seeing with the root knot nematode varieties is very significant. That's outstanding. Plus they're, they're saving on the labor and the cost of the inputs of trying to apply controls to all these various diseases. Is that correct? Yeah, that is a great point, Rob. You know, anything we can build into that plant genetics something that we don't have to do from the standpoint of crop protection. And those are the kind of traits that are there 
24-7 uh, as opposed to addressing issues as they occur from a, a crop protection standpoint. So, yeah, anything we can do from, from this perspective is very beneficial. If uh, growers are interested in finding more information about these varieties and their different characteristics, uh, where would they be able to find that? The best way would be to go to our website, phytogen.com, uh, where there's lots of good information, uh, especially highlighting our phytogen uh, breeding traits. And as always, we're just a phone call away. So uh, give us a call if growers have questions. Okay. Well, thanks, Robert, for being on the program. Um, as always, we appreciate your insight, and we're glad to have you anytime. Robin, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Very good. So thank you, Robin and Phytogen, for that. Now, we are going to keep this thing rolling with our Market Minute. We, uh, as mentioned earlier, Jim had the chance to sit down with... Um, Gerald Nieper. Gerald Nieper, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm mixing up my notes here. Jim had the chance to sit down with our old friend, Dr. Gerald Nieper, at... Um, is Gerald a doctor? I, I have no idea. Okay, I'm throwing in a But he's lot. an expert. There you go. He is an expert. He, he is, is an expert. He is he's well-versed, well yes. Well-known cotton expert. And so Jim sat down with him in New Orleans this past week and uh, talked about the cotton market. So we will bring you that interview right now. Welcome to the first edition of the Market Minute for 2019. Uh, we're here at the Beltwide Cotton Conferences in New Orleans, and I'm joined today by Gerald Nieper, a longtime cotton market economist who's based in California. Gerald, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Gerald, during the, the economic session at, here at the Beltwide Conference, uh, you and our good friend O.A. Cleveland discussed some of the challenges facing cotton in, in this current world economy, uh, and that includes dealing with a tariff market at this point. Uh, briefly, can you give us an, a, an overview of what's happening in this world cotton economy now, and how is it or how will it impact uh, U.S. cotton? Well, certainly the uh, the tariffs that uh, uh, China applied as a retaliatory measure against the tariffs that the U.S. applied to Chinese goods, um, that has uh, impacted people's uh, well, certainly Chinese buying. You've seen you've seen some small uh, cancellations already this year. Um, now, some of those cancellations uh, have been moved into the 1920 crop, when I think that people think that the uh, the Chinese and the U.S. will, will straighten his, these issues out. But uh, um, we don't know if they're going to get straightened out. I mean, so that's certainly been a, a, a challenge. Uh, it's certainly put some some pressure on prices, I believe. Um, the uh, the, the Turkish situation, um, we're not selling any cotton in the Turkey right now. You know, the, the lira has depreciated rather dramatically. Um, the, you know, U.S. cotton was already facing a little bit of a tariff in, in Turkey because of the, uh, again, a retaliation against some some tariffs that we had put on to, uh, uh, we accused Turkey a couple of years ago of dumping uh, steel, particularly, especially rebar, into the United States. So, you know, back and forth and back and forth. And, and uh, you know, these, these trade issues definitely have impact over time, but uh, generally you can sort of start to work through these things. And I think, you know, if nothing else, the the tariff situation is, has started to affect, 
you know, the, the world economies, you know, clear signs that China is slowing down, clear signs that the European Union is slowing down. Um, and I don't know that it has necessarily affected the United States yet. And I think that's what people are worried about, that it could, could impact the United States eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things I, I, I saw in, in this presentation was, I think, you, you there was a, one of the slides uh, showing here's our list of bullish items and here's our list of bearish items. And they were almost equal, you know, which which to me immediately says, okay, we're not going to move very far market-wise from where we are right now. Is that is that correct? That's correct. I mean, and I think uh, with the exception of this market coming down, uh, you know, eventually just kind of the weight of things uh it pointed to market coming down a little lower. Um, we found some good support just above 70 cents, and now we keep bumping up against resistance really above 74 cents. Um, of course, we all know what the next stop is at 75 cents. And 75, nice round number. 80 is a big, nice round number. You know, that's going to be a big round of, of resistance. But for now, you know, 70 to 75 cents, I think we're just going to sort of just spill around in here. And we need to. We need to build a base for this this mm-hmm. market. And just sort of let the market settle out a little yes, bit. Yes, yes. Uh, mills, I think, are finding some good value down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's providing support underneath this market. Um, let's just hope that. And it's also giving them confidence that the market's not going to come down any further. You know, they uh, they will buy when they feel like the market's bottomed or when it starts going back up again and they feel like, oh, gee, I, bet, I don't want to miss the boat. Yeah, it's time to pull the trigger. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, as we speak right now, we're looking, we're sitting with a, a government shutdown, uh, which means there's uh, some key information and some key reports that the market normally gets, not just cotton, but all commodity markets normally get from USDA that... Uh, that they're seeing, you know, they're just simply not available at this point. How important are those reports in terms of impacting cotton, and how's the industry going to be able to manage trade movement and information and, and things like that until <clears throat> until we get sort of things back up and running again? The um, the information is well if you're big enough. You know, and and you provide a lot of the information. You're not missing much, right? Um, but uh, to, to to most people, you know, not seeing export sales data. Supposedly, you know, we've been doing some pretty good sales over the last couple of weeks. We can't see how that really, you know, how these prices have really helped us out on the export sales front. Um, you know, the on call position. Uh, we all like to look at. Um, we can kind of guess. We think we can sort of guess, but uh, that's not helping stuff. The commitment of traders, um, you know, we're not seeing what the uh, what the relative uh, viewpoint is of, of the speculators versus the trade. Although we can sort of guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an inconvenience, and uh, but I don't think it's a problem just now unless you're one of the smaller players out there right you know mm-hmm. um, I think if you're a bigger player and you're pretty well plugged in you you have you're your, not you're not missing much yeah, you have your sources yes wherever you need those sources to be yeah. yes absolutely okay that's great Gerald at this point thank you for your time and insight I uh, appreciate you for joining us uh, for this market minute uh, we'll be right back with the rest of this episode the cotton companion 
All right. So uh, thank you, Jim, for that. Obviously, we want to thank um, uh, Gerald Nieper for that interview as well. Uh, always nice for him to spare some time for us and and, uh, and lend us his expertise. So uh, finally, we want to move on to our One Big Thing segment. And uh, this year we wanted, or rather this episode, we wanted to talk about a headline that we made, a headline that we make at this time every year, and that's with our annual cotton grower acreage survey. So, so we do this thing every year. We put, we survey the cotton belt. We use our platform, our audience, to reach out and hear from America's cotton farmers, and uh, put out the first acreage survey of the year. We put ours out in our. It always is announced with our January issue, which is hitting mailboxes right now, and it is followed shortly by the. National Cotton Council's acreage uh, right. survey, which when does that thing come out? That comes out at their annual meeting in early February. There you go. So there's that one will come out soon. And then after that, the next big one is USDA's pre- acreage projection, which is... It's the end of March. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're on top of those. Provided, <laughs> of course, the government is open and running at that point. That's right. We, we, have, our we have to put that caveat in there right. at this point. We, we have our fingers crossed for that. So, uh, But ours is the first one, and so it is kind of noteworthy in that regard. A lot of folks... Uh, Wait on that. In fact, we normally, in a normal, this is a little inside baseball for y'all, but we normally have our issue uh, comes out earlier. The January issue comes out earlier than other issues of ours because we'd like to have it at the uh, uh, Beltwide Cotton Conferences. And so this acreage survey is known by the 3rd or the 4th uh, of January because it's there at uh, Beltwide we didn't have it with us this year at Beltwide because we're not doing our Achievement Award mm-hmm. at Beltwide this year. And thus, uh, our number wasn't known until about a week later. And man, I don't know about you, Jim, but I was getting calls. I got emails from just various market analysts, market watchers uh, around the Cotton Belt, uh, at least two or three while you were in New Orleans. Right. Well, the art- we did post the article on our website yeah. uh, last week. So it was, it was public uh, as we got to Beltwide. And, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, I had a number of people, uh, you know, come up to me and whisper in my ear going, where's the marketing survey? Right, right. Yeah. You know, they, they, is they, it online yet? Right. Which, which uh, for good and, and uh, selfish reasons, I like to hear that. I like to hear that, <laughs> that people are interested in, in what we have to say and come to expect it uh, around this time every year. So uh, a little bit about this year's actual survey. We uh, enlisted the help. We have a uh, audience group uh, at our corporate office up in Willoughby, Ohio, who we got heavily involved this year to help us uh, uh, drum up our survey to increase audience response in our survey. And man, it paid off. Um, we had around 400 growers from uh, ar- across the Cotton Belt respond to our survey this year, which is as big is the biggest number of response as we have had since I've been involved in the survey for the past decade. So we had a great sample size. We suspect that there's uh, not but about 12 or 13,000 of y'all uh, who plant cotton in the entire country out there. So um, we, you know, I figure my rough math here, now this is Ole Miss math, so bear with me. We think that we are getting you know, about 1 30th of the entire subset of people in this country who grow cotton, which is pretty dang good for a sample size. Uh, we also, I solicit input from all each of the cotton specialists, each state's cotton specialist I reach out to. Uh, I reach out to several, several knowledgeable people from the cotton associations and also a handful of other contacts, uh, agronomists with the National Seed Brands, for example, who I know and I'm friends with. I get their input as well. So it, it is... Uh, 
it's sound. Our number is sound is what I'm It's actually quasi-scientific. Uh, almost scientific. Yeah, I would almost call it scientific. But <laughs> we talk to, again, uh, as many reasonable people as uh, we possibly can, or, or rather knowledgeable people as we possibly can. So with that as your background, our number this year is 13.662 million acres of projected cotton planted in the entire U.S. cotton belt for 2019. Uh, that's uh, Upland and ELS combined for the Cotton Belt this year. A little bit of context on that number, 13.662 million acres. It is down moderately from 2018 when the final planted acreage total was just over 14 million, 14.04 million acres uh, across the whole Cotton Belt. But that's still a very healthy total, our projection for next year of 13.66. Uh, it's the third most it would be the third most uh, planted acres in a season of the past decade behind only 2011. Uh, if you'll recall, prices were skyrocketing at that time and behind last season, 2018, where, as I said, y'all planted 14.04 million. So uh, it's a healthy total. In fact, the headline, if y'all hadn't seen our article, my headline for that story in the January issue is, something like a healthy appetite for cotton. You guys are, are uh, clearly still enthusiastic about planting cotton out there. So that's a good thing. It's a good thing for the industry as a whole. It's a good thing for Cotton Grower Magazine to be sure. So we are happy that y'all are seeing the value in planting cotton for 2019. Uh, uh, to, to get into what y'all told us, I think uh, the biggest narrative as I try to uh, sort of extract and find narratives and common themes in the over five, you know, 450 some odd responses that we got in total. Uh, the, a big thing was this uh, tariff situation. And you guys are watching it. Y'all are watching its very direct impact uh, on the mark commodity markets. And for cotton, it's not a great situation, but also uh, we kind of found that soybeans loss right now is cotton's gain, uh, especially in the Mid-South. It just seemed like cotton was penciling out better than grain competitors while we were polling. And I know Jim would make sure that I pointed that out. We conduct our polling uh, in November and early December is when we were getting most of these responses back. And, it, you know, those of you who mentioned the tariffs just told us, you know, y'all are doing the math, of course. And uh, we just heard that cotton is penciling out better than soybeans as a result of these sort of uh, tariffs, uh, tariff Wars. I try to find. I'm always trying to think of a different way to state it than war. But these tariff standoffs, standoffs. There we go, Jim. <laughs> uh, that have happened. Uh, they they are having an impact on y'all's decisions. <clears throat> so uh, that was a big a big thing in the mid south, uh, where we expect to see an uptick in acreage in in 2019. The Southwest was an interesting story. We have been told before that Texas is just at capacity. And, it, you know, as y'all know, Texas routinely plants over half of the nation's cotton uh, just in that one state. And so we are told quite often by smart people out there that you're not going to see uh, cotton acres go much higher than we have seen in recent years because there's just no more ground to put them on. There's no more infrastructure to harvest it with. Uh, and so last year, 2018, there were 7.7 million acres of cotton planted in the Lone Star State, and we suspect that we may test that capacity this year. We are we are projecting 7.24 million acres in the Lone Star State in 2019, uh, but we could see that go higher. People mentioned that there's more infrastructure, particularly up there in the Panhandle, 
where there are gins going in and more harvest equipment being coming in. So uh, the same can be said for Oklahoma and especially Kansas. I mentioned this in the last podcast, but uh, it is going to be a huge year up there in the north, northern, southwest. Um, Kansas and Oklahoma are going to combine for over 1 million acres this year, I think. That's what our survey told us. And uh, as recently as four or five years ago, those states were only doing a quarter of that, around 250,000 acres with almost nothing of that coming out of Kansas in particular. So it's it's going to be an interesting year in the southwest. Uh, moving on to the southeast, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. We have Alabama and North Carolina growers told us that they are going to increase acreage this year. Uh, but the biggest drop looks to be in Georgia, where last year Georgia growers planted 1.4 million acres. And we uh, our survey told us that that is going to drop to 1.1 million this year. Uh, with folks pointing to those hurricanes at the end of the year that really dampened a lot of the enthusiasm for cotton uh, there in Georgia. So even with 1.1 million acres, Georgia is going to be the second biggest cotton production state, a a title uh, or a silver medal, I guess I should say, that it has held for quite some time now. But uh, we are seeing Mississippi, which is expected to see a very large increase in acres in 2019, Uh, at 795,000 acres, and Oklahoma at projected at 825,000 acres, also a gigantic increase. Uh, They're closing that gap on Georgia for the second biggest cotton production state. So uh, I would say watch out for Oklahoma. It's it's interesting to see what's going on there. So that's all I had for our acreage survey. Uh, Uh, Well, I I will tell you that the survey was, uh, you know, factored into, into several of the presentations and discussions at Beltwide this year, particularly on the economic side. Uh, we've heard, uh, I, th- I think most people were looking at it as, you know, these are good solid numbers. Yeah. Uh, when we start getting, comp- you know, compliments from, you know, people with PhDs and uh, and who've looked at the market for, for a number of years, then, uh, you know, we must be doing something right. So, you know, all, all credit to you, Mr. Barnes, for your, uh, for your expert ciphering yeah. on this. Uh, but, you know, there was some discussion, obviously, about our number as, as possibly being a good baseline, maybe just a little bit too low for, for what reality will be. But the more th- people started talking about it and talking through it, uh, yeah, we're probably going to fall some, they think somewhere the acres will fall somewhere between our number of, uh, of roughly 13.7 and maybe 14.3 to 14.4. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, there's still some cotton in the field from last year that growers are still trying to get out. Uh, gins are probably going to be running all the way through March and April in certain parts of the, of the country. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's going to be a lot of last-minute decisions made at this point, and, and obviously some of the, the trade situations are going to, going to factor into it as well. But I think we're off to a good start. I'll be curious to see uh, or look forward to see what the uh, National Cotton Council comes up with their number. I will uh, too. Here in, in several weeks. You mentioned still there's still cotton in the field right now, and, and I'm wrapping up this survey that I've just conducted about next year. Of the 400-some-odd responses that we get from growers, there's always a handful whose response is simply, it's too early. You know, it's, it's, it's very blunt and gruff. Uh, you know, I, I've still got cotton in the field, and fair enough. I get that. I know that y'all uh, are busy. I don't like anybody asking me anything comple- complex while I'm like behind deadline on a magazine, for example, which I am occasionally. Uh, so I understand the, the response that I get from farmers who say, man, it's too, too dang early. I'm not thinking about that. 
So, all right, uh, that will just about do it for this installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. We want to thank Mr. Gerald Nieper one last time for taking the time to talk to us and our listeners. Uh, He's been a good friend to uh, us, and and we appreciate his work. So, uh, once again, we also thank Phytogen for sponsoring us, and we thank you, dear listener, uh, sincerely for joining us. Uh, If you like what you're hearing, by all means, tell your buddies about our podcast they can get to us in three easy ways. The first is going to cottongrower.com slash companion. That'll take you to a landing page where each of our 39... Uh, now 39. Now this is yes. the 39th. Uh, episodes are listed on that landing page. So uh, go, go mm-hmm. to our website. You'll find us there. The second is to subscribe to our channels on iTunes. If you're familiar with iTunes, you know how to do it there. Simply search for the Cotton Companion podcast in that app uh, on your Apple product. Uh, the third and best way to listen to every episode of the Cotton Companion podcast is to subscribe to the Cotton uh, Weekly Cotton Grower e-newsletter, which Jim here works hard to put together each week. He packs it with the relevant news of the day, and those things hit your mailbox, your email inbox rather, uh, like clockwork each Tuesday morning. And uh, you can do that by going to cottongrower.com slash subscribe, and you'll be able to uh, easily subscribe to uh, our e-newsletter there. Also, finally, make sure you are following us on on social media. We are at cottongrowermag on Twitter, and on Facebook, you can find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine, simple enough. Uh, We hope that you are enjoying our latest issue, which should be the January issue at this point. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff in there, and uh, we, we hope that you do enjoy This podcast is produced by Mr. Tyler Hatch, who works at the mothership Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I'll be back with you in two weeks for the next installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, For now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Jim Stedman, we wish you and your family and your operation all the best. Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of The Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com.